I'd like to share with you a little bit about Gideon. Go back to the Civil War a little bit and uh, remember when Sherman made his march through Georgia, he practiced what was known as a scorched, uh, he did a scorch earth policy with, the, um, with his type of warfare. He marched across Georgia and he burned everything that was there. Nothing was left. He took what he needed, what he didn't need or eat, he got rid of. And if you, if, uh, I don't know if any of you brought your Bibles other than me, but if you don't, I'm going to read just a little bit from the book of Judges and the story of Gideon on how God called him. Judges chapter 6 and it's verses 11 through 16. And the angel of the Lord sat under an oak tree. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, which was an Orpha, and pertained to Joash and a and a Bithrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? And where is the miracles of which our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and hath delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now, as I mentioned, the scorched earth policy that they followed, in this, in this case, the Midianites would come into the land, they'd burn everything, they took the girls as prostitutes, they took the boys as slaves, they killed the elderly, kept the ones that were the best and healthy, burned the crops, poisoned the wells, and the problem was they didn't do it just once, they did it year after year as they were trying to overcome these people. And uh, Gideon was a little bit like Abraham. He kind of wandered from place to place. And here he's hiding, trying to take care of his grain the best he can. And along comes an angel. And an angel speaks to Gideon and says in verse 12, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, put yourself in Gideon's position for a minute. You're being oppressed. Your, uh, your elderly are being killed. The young people are either being taken, the girls are taken as prostitutes, the boys as slaves, and uh, everything you've, you're acquiring is being taken away, and then somebody comes up to you and says, the Lord is with you? Gideon comes up with a modern answer. He said, well, then why, are our wa why is our water being poisoned? Why are our parents being killed? Why are they stealing our children? Why are they burning our crops? Why are they doing it year after year? I mean, he said, if the Lord is with thee, with us, I'd hate to see it if he wasn't with us, if this is how the Lord is treating us. But see, it was the Midianites doing it and not God. And the big question we sometimes will ask ourselves today is why is the world in, in the condition it's in? 
Why can't we get more young people to come to church? Why cannot we have a bigger Sunday evening or a bigger Wednesday night service? Uh, why, do we, why do we have the diseases of today? Why is there AIDS? Why is there this? Why is there that? We've got problems in the world and they're there. People are starving. There's hatred. There's jealousy. Families break up. Uh, young people seem to go wrong. You can't do anything in the school. You try, you try and give a little bit of discipline and the kids can come back and say, well, you're, uh, they can have the parents arrested for brutality. Well, I'm not going to apologize for God. I mentioned the other day, if God says wear white socks, we'll wear white socks. If God says uh, do this, why we should do it. But what God does answer... We can't, he gives us an answer as he gave Gideon. He didn't make an excuse for the Midianites coming and doing what they were doing to them. He simply, when Gideon said, why is all this happening? Uh, if the Lord is with, with us, why is all this taking place? The answer that was given to him was simply, go in thy might and save Israel from the land of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? He doesn't answer the question of why. He said, basically, don't just stand there. Do something about it if you don't like it. We can't apologize for God. God sometimes seems silent. I mentioned, I think it was Wednesday night about Job. He was in quite a predicament. He was in a situation where he lost just about everything he had. And had he been able to have been pulled into a locker... And the coach giving him a pep talk, if God could have said, now, Job, you're going to be my man for the hour. We're going to, I'm going to have you go out there and you're going to endure a lot, but hang in there. You can do it. I'm behind you and you're going to be victorious in the end. But Job didn't get a pep talk in the locker room. He didn't get that. He was just out there enduring what he had and wondering why. And that's us sometimes. We're out in this world struggling with our own difficulties and wondering why do we have the oppression that we've got from the people who don't understand Christianity. There's really not a freedom of speech. Because if you would go and speak about Jesus Christ, if you spoke what the Bible speaks about homosexuality, they wouldn't like it. They said, well, you can't say that, but somebody else can speak their mind and get away with it. No, there's not really a freedom of speech. We're just thankful, at least I am, that I am able as much as possible to share what I know of God's Word in what little time God has avail uh, made available to me and to do it in this country unafraid. There are a lot of people that are oppressed in other countries. So we wonder why do we have the diseases of today? If you don't like it, we do something about it. God has a reason for doing things a certain way. The answer he gave Gideon, his man of the hour, Gideon, if you don't like the Midianites and what they're doing, then go in your power, save your country. In other words, Gideon, do something about it. And there were three things that he was had to do. He had to work. In the, the book of Luke, in chapter 5, in the gospel according to Luke, I'd like to read a few verses from there. Chapter 5. And starting with verse 1. It came to pass as the people were pressed upon him to hear the word of God that he stood on the lake of uh, Gennesaret 
and he saw two ships standing in the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Simon, we have toiled all night and have, not, have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. And he beckoned unto their partners, which were in, other, in the other ships, that they should come and help them, so that they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. There's a little bit of work involved when you're going to do God's will. What have been the situation if Peter said to Jesus, No, you can't have my boat. No, you can't use my boat to speak. Or if Jesus had, um, after speaking, he said, Peter, let's just push out into the deep a little bit. He said, Well, I'm a little tired. I really don't feel like doing that right now. I'd like to take a nap. Matter of fact, before I take a nap, I'm a little hungry. And then I'm going to take my nap. But Peter decided to listen to what he was told to do. He obeyed, and a great miracle occurred. He'd fished all night, hadn't caught anything. But at Jesus' word, he said, I'll do it. Mathematics. How, who's good at math? You, any, any of you good at mathematics? Matthew's not here. We can't have a, the expert, huh? One plus one is what? Hello? One plus one's what? One. All right, let's, let's go a little bit farther. Let's try multiplication. Two times zero is what? Zero. You're good. Five times zero is what? Let's get tough. Twenty-five times zero is what? I worked all night to get that done. And you realize that anything times zero is zero. God times zero is still zero, but God times two, and you can't put that number on the blackboard. God times six, there isn't a number that big, because God takes what little we've got and can multiply it many times over if we just take what little bit of talent you might have, what you think might be insignificant, and let God use it. He's going to bless you and bless, bless others because of it. You've got to work. You've got, you have to put your mind to doing what God wants you to do. There was a, there was a song that was um, popular back in the early 60s in the gospel field called Jesus Use Me. Jesus use me, and oh Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I must do, and even though it's humble, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. How many have ever seen a garbage strike? You've seen the effects of it? Remember when they had the garbage strikes in New York? Stuff piled around? What do you think of the garbage collector? A lot of people think he's the little guy, you know. He, well, he doesn't make all that much money, and look what he deals with. But look how important he is. Even the little people, quote, unquote, the little people are important. What would happen? How many people would complain on Sunday morning if you walked into church and the janitor hadn't been there for three weeks? 
Somebody would say something, wouldn't they? Yeah, even though just the guy that sweeps the floor is vitally important. And when any work is done for God, it's important. So don't belittle what little position you might have because there are one lady we met yesterday, met Ruth Allen, and she's a prayer warrior. She can't do much else but be praying for us and wish she could be here, but she's a prayer warrior. How, many, how much greater could our work be done if, you're, if you know you've got two, three, four people behind the scenes praying for everything that goes on? And God's going to bless those efforts. Put some work behind. If you don't like what you see around, then get to work and change it. Gideon was also told, go in your own power. He said, what do I have? Many people have faith. Some people just like to quit because they don't want to try. But others, if you need permission, go ahead and do it. You've got my permission because one of the things, God believes in you. God believes in you. He believes you've got char character. God believes you've got qualities. He, God believes you've got talent. If he didn't believe in you, I don't think he would have provided Jesus. But he knows, he believes that you're worth something. This is not very good English. It destroys, if anybody is majors in English, I apologize for what I'm about to do. But God don't make no junk. It doesn't make, it's not good English, but it makes good sense. God don't make no junk. You're worth something. God believes in you. What we need to do is to believe in ourselves of what we're capable of doing for God. Gideon thought, I'm just a little, I'm just this little guy here, and all this is going around me with the Midianites, what can I do? And the angel of the Lord said, go in your own power and save your country. Look at the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14. In the old days, you know, it was a little bit more male chauvinistic, because uh, it talks about 5,000 that was only the men. You know, with the women and the children, there might have been upwards of 15,000 or more because that just counted the men. Now, just picture this. They'd been following Jesus three days in the desert. They'd been following for three days. There was no canned food available. They didn't even have our, our military's provisions, you know, rip open and eat the stuff that they provide. They didn't even have that. They had no police force to monitor the, the 15,000 people. They had no hospitals to take care of the sick. No portable, pay, no portable toilets. No wonder they call it the Dead Sea. <laughs> and these 5,000 people were learning how to change things because under this man, Jesus was teaching them how to change their life. How to succeed in life with what they had how to solve some of their problems, whether it be in their family, and how to turn the world upside down, how to inherit the earth. He told his disciples, feed these people. What do you got? Well, we got five loaves and two fish. Okay, feed them. You gotta be kidding. That's all we got, five loaves and two fish. Feed them. Remember the multiplication? God plus two is a majority. God plus six, you can't put that number on the blackboard. And when Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, 5,000 men plus the women and children ate and they collected 12 baskets when it was all done. They had more left over than what they started with. You've got the energy. God will take what little bit of faith that we've got and if you turn that little bit of faith, he's going to make it grow and it's going to affect a lot of other people. God says, go in your own power and do it. I'm behind you. 
I, I look at God as being in, in, in this world today as being the coach. And he's given us the pep talk and he said, now you go out in that world and you work as hard as you can. This is the message I want you to preach. I'll be with you. I'll help you. Uh, through my spirit, you will not fail. Isaiah says that the word of God will accomplish that from which God wants it to accomplish. It's not going to fail. Now, if you knew that the church could have 200 people by December just by talking to different ones, would you say, well, I really don't like to talk? Or would you say, hey, if it's possible to do it, if, if God says it can be done, if I, it's proven possible, and we could have 200, we can do it, let's do it. If you knew that you could, that you could do something and not fail, I think we'd probably put it to the task. But you know, we're afraid of two factors. There, this isn't very good English either, but we're, we're afraid of fof and fop. Fof and fop. That's F-O-F -F and F-O-P. There's the fear of failure and the fear of people. Because we're afraid that if we don't do something right, it's going to fail. Or we might be afraid of people. What will other people think about it? God says in his word, go to Gideon, go and save your country. Think big, do something. It's better to do something and maybe fall flat on your face than not to try anything at all. God's word's going to succeed. Because we go and we preach and we, we sow the seed and we water the seed. But when they reject, what are they rejecting? Who brings the increase? God brings the increase. So let's forget about the increase. We'll just do what we're instructed to do. If you're a sower, you go sow. If you're a waterer, you go and water. But don't worry about the increase. The increase will come when God sees it's ready to come. He believes in you. Others believe in you. Your pastor believes in you. Now you've got to believe in you. Gideon was called, and in three weeks this man took 300 men and wiped out the world's greatest war machine that they knew in that day. God knew he could do it. He knew he had the capability to do it. Now, you want to surprise your pastor? Volunteer to work for him and he'll die of a heart attack. <laughs> or something else, better yet. I'll tell you what you can do. Get behind him, support him, pray for him every day, Get behind some of the programs, watch the church grow, and somebody else will see them and take them away from you. That's another angle. Get behind your man, pray for him, work with him, be thankful you've got him. God's man of the hour then is Gideon. God's man of this area is that man right there. God bless him, he's doing a great job. Not many people hang around 14 years. Some people don't have the sense to do that. I hope I do. Gideon did what he was supposed to do. And he took care of the greatest war machine that the world had known at that time. He was God's man of that hour. We can be God's men and women of this hour. And we might not turn the world upside down, but you can make a difference in your family and your close friends. We might not change Russia, but we can make a difference the close ones that we have. And that's where you need to start. Be God's man of the hour. Go in your power. And as David said on his deathbed to, Solom to Solomon, be strong, be of good courage, and do it. Do it. Amen.